Happy Thanksgiving, my friends, and welcome back to Podcast 82 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Shot Quality Bets. If you're sick of using the same thing to handicap that the whole market uses, please visit Shot Quality Bets and use the promo code ODDS23. Terms and conditions apply. If you'd like to help us out, sponsor the website and the podcast and benefit we would love to help you out. Please visit theazbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit theazbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. The holiday season is here, my friends, and we started all off with a massive Thanksgiving weekend. We have football galore, three NFL games on Thanksgiving. The Egg Bowl, of course, between Mississippi State against Ole Miss. Then we have a bunch of games on Friday for college football as well as Saturday, including the big game versus Ohio State and Michigan. So just can't wait to relax, crack a few open, enjoy a full-fledged weekend of college football, NFL, and college basketball and there's no better person for thanksgiving weekend than to break down the nfl slate with me on this show than mr brian leonard from wager talk we're gonna have him on to talk nfl and any other thoughts that he has about the weekend before brian comes on i'm gonna give you three bets that i have made in college football, as well as taking a look at some of the other big games of the weekend. So without further ado, let's get right into college football week 13. Going to start right off with Tennessee versus Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt plus 14 total is 66. The handicap is one of the simplest ones in the book for me here. The big question How many points are you downgrading Hendon Hooker? How much is he worth to this Tennessee team after the torn ACL? I think it's a lot, and especially a lot, just looking at how bad the Vols defense is. I'm going to say at least eight points here. Then that brings me pretty close to the spread, okay? Uh, This brings my power rating to about 13.5 points at Vandy. There will be Tennessee people there, obviously both teams in the same state. But the other part of this handicap really is what is Vanderbilt's mindset? They not only just blew their chances to get into the college football playoffs, which I really thought they were in. They probably thought they were in. They also have to be absolutely devastated over the Hen and Hooker injury as well. And I know Joe Milton has some experience, but when I saw him play a couple years for Michigan, I thought he wasn't good at all, and I thought that he failed miserably. Maybe in this Josh Heupel system, he can do a little bit better, but there is a reason why he's a backup here, and this is just a bigger spot for Vanderbilt, being that they are playing the biggest game for bowl consideration here. 
You know, Vanderbilt has five wins. You know how important it is to these kids to make a bowl game here. They're going to give it their all. What could Tennessee do? Really not a heck of a lot. You know, they could win this game. It's not going to matter most likely because TCU is really in control of their destiny. They're favored by 11 points here. They just need to get to the Big 12 game undefeated, and they're probably in. You have USC that's going to have a better argument than them if they win their next two games against Notre Dame and Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. And you're going to have the one loss between Ohio State or Michigan that's now ahead of them as well. They really can't even get a better bowl game, in my opinion. They're still going to get a New New Year's Six, even if they lose this game. This is a spot play for Vanderbilt as well as a statistics play if you believe that hooker's worth about eight or nine points to this line itself so we're going to take Vanderbilt plus the 14 make sure you put a little bit of juice on that money line okay pretend it's Thanksgiving and this bread is a turkey oh my god it's so juicy next game Middle Tennessee State versus FIU the game of the weekend, right? <laughs> FIU's plus 19.5. The total is 55. I mean, this game's disgusting. I advise you not to watch it. But in saying that, I think that we should bet on it. FIU, one of the worst teams in football, and their season is certainly over. No bowl hope. But, I mean, they're playing their last game. Kids can step up for that and just try to walk out feeling a little bit more like a winner. Their defense Gives up 5.5 yards per play, ranked 75th in explosiveness. They're definitely going to get scored on no matter what they do here. Uh, Both teams actually play pretty fast, ranking top 25 in tempo. So I'm kind of looking towards the over here. Middle Tennessee State has a pretty good offense. They average 29 points per game. They shouldn't have any trouble scoring. I mean, this defense for FIU gives up 38 points a game. So I think that... If long as FIU can get to 21 points, I'm pretty confident that Middle Tennessee State is going to get at least 40 here. This totals at 55 points. It just seems a little bit low to me. I think this total should be around 59 or 60, in my opinion, especially under these circumstances. Fast pace, terrible defenses, really on both sides. And uh, teams that can, well, at least Middle Tennessee State can score. I've seen FIU score earlier in the year take the over 55 for two stars all right now for the big game of the week and yes i do have a best bet on this game that i will be giving to you and if you listen to this podcast last spring this kind of helps you and gives you a slight little bit of hedge on one of these sides michigan versus ohio state minus Seven and a half minus eight ish total is at 57. Here's the deal here. I'm just going to tell you, I kind of like the dog, but the Tennessee loss actually helps this out some, right? Because it's not quite as desperate for these teams. They could still make the playoff back of their mind. Maybe I'm sure they should be playing to win this, to get in the playoff, but they know they're still in it. Ohio state, Number one in EPA margin this year. Michigan's number three. You know, not much of a difference here. 
this kind of tells you th- this total of 57 this tells you that Ohio State's not going to be blowing anybody out here okay it's kind of that middle of the road total with two very good teams the number one and number three teams in EPA look at how these teams match up Michigan number five in both offensive and defensive success rate Ohio State is eighth and seventh on defense respectively Ohio State does have the net yards per play advantage, 2.86 to 2.29. They're playing at home. The weather's looking pretty good, lower 50s, no wind. This actually kind of bodes well for Ohio State, being that they have the flashier offense. From an injury perspective, Michigan's coming into this game pretty banged up, but they really dodged a bullet last week with Blake Corum leaving the game. You saw him walking around on Sunday handing out turkeys. Maybe he wasn't put back in just based upon, um, you know, them saving him for this game. <laughs> a lot of people looked at what happened with uh, Michigan against Illinois as a bad thing. And that's why the spread jumped back from six and a half to seven and a half slash eight. But the way I look at it is Ohio State's had plenty of hiccups themselves. You know, Michigan, very hopeful to get their tight end Luke uh, Shoemaker back. Ohio State's probably going to get Jackson Smith and the Jigba to finally finish off the season in style. I, I think they've been waiting all year for this. But from a matchup perspective, there's no huge advantages here. I've been looking rushing success rate, passing success rate. Ohio State's a little bit better on the explosive plays, 30th to Michigan's 122nd on offense. That's not how Michigan really plays as explosive, but they get massive chunks of yards. Michigan's got the slight turnover advantage. So, um, being explosive plays in the like point six point five ish net yard per play advantage, this brings me to six and a half. I think the spread on Ohio State versus Michigan here should be six and a half, not seven and a half or eight. Both teams really don't have a good strength schedule. I know Michigan's been murdered for their strength of schedule. Ohio State can say, "Yeah, we played Notre Dame," but look at Notre Dame; they beat some really good teams like. Well, North Carolina just lost to Georgia Tech, but they did beat Clemson and they lost to Marshall and uh, Stanford. Uh, you know, I'll give this slight nod of strength of schedule to Ohio State, but it's not by a heck of a lot. I have to say that before last week, Michigan looked like the more resilient team. I still have a little questions about that after seeing what happened in Illinois, but this was the classic look-ahead spot. Look look what happens. The, both teams looking ahead, they both couldn't cover their spreads last week. I'm going to kind of throw that away. I just don't think the spread's warranted to be past seven in such a huge matchup with here. These teams at least do know they do have to keep it somewhat close here if they're going to be in consideration of the playoff. One thing I do noticed, or I did notice, is that Ohio State is a second-half team. It showed. It showed against Notre Dame week one. It showed against Northwestern when they had that stinker. Of course, it was very windy that day. And it really showed against Penn State where they got outgained. And thanks to their defense uh, creating turnovers, we were able to really win that game. Um, I think Michigan plus seven and a half is to play. And I'm playing that for 2.5 stars. I want. I, I think you should maybe make sure that Corum is playing. I took a better number two weeks ago on Michigan, so I'm already involved here. But I also think that if you're going to get Michigan covering that or possibly winning at the half, 
maybe you do consider a buyback with Ohio State because they are a second-half team. And I also will say I kind of like Michigan in the first half for uh, plus four-and-a-half for one star. You know, I the, the official play is going to be Michigan plus seven-and-a-half for two-and-a-half stars, but I definitely do not mind you grabbing Michigan here early in a massive game where there's going to be nerves on both sides of the ball. Um, Michigan, knowing they're coming into enemy territory, they're going to give it their best. I think Michigan can easily cover this four and a half in the first half as well. So take the seven and a half for the full game, and we're going to do that for 2.5 stars. I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, greens, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, chicken, chicken. All right, let's look at some other college football games for the week. We're going to start on Thursday here, skip Maction, because, well, Maction's tonight. But Mississippi State versus Ole Miss. Ole Miss is minus 2.5. The total's 59. This spread was higher. It was around 3. There's a lot of noise going on with Lane Kiffin, right? It pushed it down to 2.5 that he's going to be heading over to Auburn on Friday to accept a job. Lane Kiffin shoots down the report, but it sure makes you think, like, how did that report come to surface if it really wasn't true, you know? That's a very volatile spot for the kids if they're wondering about their coach. So this tweet stating Kiffin heading to Auburn was from John Sokoloff, a TV anchor in Columbus, Mississippi. Now, he's been right about other things. Uh, He knew about the hiring of the athletic director, uh, John Cohen. Oh, how about how they took him away from Mississippi State and Auburn was able to hire him. That happened a few days before the... uh, the announcement. So you got to give him some credit for that. He's got to have some connections, but it's just really strange and bad timing for him to do that. So Kiffin comes in shooting it down. He even like made some fun of, of uh, Sokoloff saying that he is going to be moving uh, TV stations. <laughs> it's kind of a little drama back and forth here, but uh, there has been rumors about Kiffin to Auburn for a while. Last week after the Arkansas loss, they're very, very happy here, appreciative of the leadership, blah, 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 excited for next year. He didn't say, I'm excited for me being here next year, just very excited about the future. So this is why it's a lot of uh, news and noise going on at the same time almost. I think that if Kiffin was really going to shoot it down, he would make the statement and say, I'm going to be here next year. But then again, he puts himself at a contract disadvantage When he says stuff like that, too. So it's just a lot of speculation, and it's not good for the kids. That's why you saw the drop. This completely ruins it for me almost, you know. I think that maybe the kids know something and will rally in this situation behind their coach if Kiffin, for some reason, really isn't leaving, which makes me lean more Ole Miss 2.5, especially when my power rings already have this at 4. The question I have internally here is... If I downgraded Ole Miss enough for having that bad or super easy schedule anyway and being a little bit more of a fraudulent top 10 team uh, throughout most of this season, right? 
I, I am pretty high on Mississippi State. As a matter of fact, I was considering betting Mississippi State. Unless this thing gets back to a three, it's probably going to be a no play. But this game is a wonderful game to watch. And Mississippi State and Ole Miss always keep it close. I would recommend live betting uh, the team that's losing as long as it, it looks like they're trying still, right, when it comes into this game. Another big game that nobody's talking about is Cincinnati versus Tulane. As a matter of fact, I believe Cincinnati is hosting Tulane here. These teams are playing to get in, and I believe that the loser still has a chance to get in. It would be like a potential three-way tiebreaker as long as Houston beats Tulsa. (laughs) So it's very interesting here. They're going to be playing to get into the American Athletic uh, Championship, Cincinnati versus Tulane. So it's a massive game, and I think that there's some motivation here. My pure power number on this game is Cincinnati minus 5.5. Cincinnati is minus 2, juice to the minus 115. One of those situations where I'm not super confident in betting Cincinnati here, I know I'm past the 3. But Tulane has been a very scrappy team this season, and they had a nice kind of get out of the dumps game last week when they just absolutely blew away a pretty good SMU team. Cincinnati has about a 0.39 net yard per play advantage over Tulane. They are at home. They don't run the ball that well. Their rushing success rate is only 118th. Their offensive success rate in general is only 88th. Tulane has the better offense, but not the better defense. Since Cincinnati, number 13th in defensive success rate, this feels like a three-point game to me. I'm also a little concerned for Tulane being that they're negative six in the uh Sack margin, they get sacked a lot. Uh, Cincinnati is uh, pretty good at getting sacks, and they have a good defensive uh, havoc rate at number ninth in the nation. So it's definitely a lean to Cincinnati, but I just feel like Fritz is doing such a great job there at Tulane. It wouldn't shock me if they went in and actually got the upset here, being that they at least do have the better offense. NC State versus North Carolina. This is going to be a pretty fun game, kind of like an in-state rivalry here. I have a premium play on this game, so I'm not going to disclose a lot. I know NC State's been in the absolute dumps since they lost uh, quarterback Devin Leary. But North Carolina, massive stinker last week against Georgia Tech. Arkansas, Missouri, I grabbed Missouri, and I got the four points here. Now that it's down to three, it's a little bit closer to where my power ratings are. If you can find a three and a half, I would advise you to bet Missouri. Missouri's got a a pretty good defense, and their offense isn't really that bad. They're at home here as a home dog. Arkansas kind of living high after that big Ole Miss game. But to be honest with you, Arkansas and that defense is pretty fraudulent themselves. I think Missouri has a uh, chance to upset them here at home for the final game of their regular season. Also, Missouri is playing for bowl life here. This is not going well for my early season win total of under 5.5 for Missouri. 
uh, them getting that win against South Carolina uh, kind of hurt me. I thought South Carolina was a better team when I was looking at the schedule preseason. But at the same time, they did. They should have beat Auburn earlier in the season on September 24th and got really screwed out of that win themselves. I think it's just going to be a pretty impactful game for this school. So uh, I love them at the plus three and a half. Uh, at the plus three, it's certainly a lean for me as well. Moving on, the next game that we're going to talk about is Florida, Florida State. Florida State minus nine and a half. The total is 57 and a half. You know, we were on Vandy last week and we got the money line win, but Florida was coming back at the end. Call it garbage yards, call it whatever you want. But Florida, for as bad as they are for an SEC team, they're not that bad. I don't think I have the spread quite this high. But Florida State has just been on absolute fire lately. And they've just been covering big spreads. And just if, if you can just get past the games that they lost, just stupid hiccups like against NC State, this is a top team in the nation. I think I have Florida State probably top 13, top 14 right now in my power numbers. I'm just going to confirm that with you. Uh, top 17 I have. I have them right around Baylor. Oklahoma and Notre Dame probably maybe they're a little bit even better than that so in my opinion Florida State is a very good team I have them as an eight-point favorite in this game so you're kind of right in between the numbers here for me but uh Florida State I can understand the uh bigger spread past the touchdown here being that my number is eight a very very slight lean to Florida here to cover it Clemson, South Carolina. I find this game fascinating because South Carolina had that massive win against uh, Tennessee last week. That is just puts them in a nasty little letdown spot. I know this is a state rivalry here coming on as well, being that this is rivalry week in college football. But Clemson is playing for style points too. So you have to understand that Clemson's going to give it their all to try to make one last push and looking like they should be a college football playoff team. Does that matter? I don't know. I don't think I have Clemson minus 14 and a half in this game. And I think that South Carolina is a little bit above average. And my number on it is 12 points. I have Clemson favored by 12 points in this spot. I'm actually pretty close to looking at South Carolina here, in my opinion, just being that there's a key number, well, semi-key number, let's just say a 14 uh, and 13 right in the middle there. The big problem that's actually keeping me off this game is South Carolina's defensive rushing success rate is 128th in the nation, where Clemson's offensive rushing success rate is 18th in the nation. And that's kind of where Clemson just can keep scoring the rock right here. So for now, it's a stay away. We'll see how much this line climbs uh, on second thought here. Uh, taking a look at this matchup. All right. Now let's get into some NFL football with our special guest, Mr. Brian Leonard from Wager Talk. 
He's one of the best in the business. You know him as his great handicaps on wagertalk.com. I'm very excited to welcome back Mr. Brian Leonard from Wager Talk and Brian Leonard Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at B Leonard Sports. Brian, welcome back, my man. How are you doing this fall and holiday season? Everything's going great. Um, I look as good as I possibly can on the video, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, <laughs> no, everything's going good. Uh, getting ready for the, the holidays. And uh, and it's hard to believe, but uh, college football season is just about over. That's right. It is kind of ending, but college basketball is ramping up. And, yeah, you have we have some technical uh, difficulties with Brian's uh, camera, but that's okay because this will be just fine and podcast form presented by Betfred Sportsbook, my man. So very happy to have you back on. And it is Thanksgiving coming up this week. So we have some Thanksgiving questions. And, you know, I was thinking about this uh, over the last week or so, and I figured why not talk about it on the podcast? You know, there's some things that are overrated for holidays and things that are underrated, and there's some ones specific to the Thanksgiving. So what are, I'm just going to say five. You can give me as many as I, you can. The five most overrated foods or things about Thanksgiving. Brian, why don't you start at number five? Well, I don't do a lot of shopping, but I know that the Black Friday and all that stuff is really popular. But nowadays with uh, Amazon and ordering things to be delivered to your house, I think the uh, the Black Friday deal is a little bit overrated. I love it, man. That's I, Why didn't I think of that? Well, that's true. Black Friday is very overrated. I haven't went out in a Black Friday. I, I'm scared to look at a store or even use yeah. the gas station on Black Friday. I think it's a horrible day, and uh, it's a day you should definitely stay home and watch football. There's no reason to be out the doors, in my opinion, on <laughs> such a terrible day. Now, there's going to be great deals, of course, but you can, if you're resourceful, you can find those deals anyway. Let's, let's be honest. You know, so I, I'll take Cyber Monday all day on amazon.com where I can just buy stuff over Black Friday, right? So mine is uh, eating a normal lunch on Thanksgiving. I think there's no need to eat lunch when you have all these appetizers out there, those delicious uh, you know, cheese spreads and uh, dips and all that good stuff that they serve. So uh, I think lunch is a little overrated, my man. I, I think uh, the whole – I love to get together – with family and friends on Thanksgiving, but the whole dinner preparation and all that, to me, I think is overrated. Uh, they have a lot of restaurants now. You can just order the food and and pick it up. And I think that's the way to go anymore, uh, especially for my wife and I, it's just the two of us. And uh, the olden days were, you know, you're growing up in the, in mom and dad, especially mom does all the work and the aunts and uncles come over and do all that. It's nice to see everybody, but that's a lot of work that doesn't need to <laughs> need to be happening in my life. I'll tell you that. Oh, that's for sure. So just the whole dinner in itself is overrated for you. <laughs> yep. That makes total sense. Anything else on the overrated side? Yeah, I, I, most of the foods that uh, come out for Thanksgiving, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I never liked turkey until I started deep frying the turkey. Deep fried turkey is great. Regular turkey, I'll pass on that. Okay, that makes sense. I've had a, I've had both. I think deep fry is uh, probably edges it out slightly, but 
Um, it just depends upon, just don't overdo it because if you overdo it in mm-hmm. the oven, you, 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 it turns dry, which is horrible. My number four is serving salad for Thanksgiving. I think, uh, it's just wasted stomach space for, uh, anything healthy that day. So, uh, get rid of all that miserable salad. Uh, number three, pumpkin spice. Uh, once one time is a max to have anything pumpkin, in my opinion, you can mm-hmm. have pumpkin pie or whatever. And, you know, pumpkin spice, spice sounds very holiday fun, but then it's just sitting in the fridge because let's face it, it's really not all that great. And uh, nobody's <laughs> going to pick that over like French vanilla cream or anything like that. Uh, number two is cranberries, Brian. I, I don't think cranberries are any good. And I think they're just massively overrated. If they were good, Brian, we'd be eating cranberries all year, but do we do that? I agree. It's like eggnog. <laughs> like eggnog we can throw eggnog there i guess i only like eggnog with a a good amount of brandy myself but uh i suggest instead of cranberries you make you put cherries in there instead the little cherries with the uh the the cherry juice or whatever whatever way you want to make it uh and number one most overrated food at least is turducken i mean putting a duck inside of a turkey quit lying to yourselves people duck tastes like shit it's 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 a gamey food. You eat it if you're starving. You probably ate it in the olden days because that's all you could shoot that day. <laughs> but honestly, it's not good. Uh, quit pretending it is. Keep it bird. Quit wasting your time. So turducken is my number one most overrated food here. Let's go for the most underrated foods or things about Thanksgiving. And my number five is not having like really good Thanksgiving music or movies. I think... Uh, you know, music and movies sometimes kind of make a holiday season and you have it on in the background sometimes or in the mornings for the kids. And uh, there's no good music for, for Thanksgiving. I mean, at least for Halloween, you got Thriller and, a, you know, a few other Halloween songs. And uh, but but and, there, and there's some Halloween movies and Christmas movies and tons of Christmas music, but there's nothing for Thanksgiving. So I, I'm a little bit uh, baffled that there isn't any, Brian. I, uh, I'll probably upset a few people here, but I wish they had other teams playing on Thanksgiving other than Dallas and Detroit every year. Uh, if you're not a fan of either one of those teams, and in fact, if there's a year that neither one of them are doing well, um, who wants to watch a football game? So <laughs> There you go. Uh, what are some other underrated things about Thanksgiving that you can think of? Well, I'm a big mashed potatoes guy. Uh, a lot of butter in the mashed potatoes. Uh, I love that all the time. So uh, that's something that I look forward to on Thanksgiving. All right, mashed potatoes. I agree with you. I love mashed potatoes. And actually, that kind of goes with my number one here. So I'll go through my list real quick. Paper plates and utensils is number four. That's underrated. Who the hell wants to do just piles and piles of dishes after Mm -hmm. dinner? There's no reason to do that. I almost think you'd probably better to save it for the next day. But geez, man, there's already enough dishes when it comes to making Thanksgiving. Have paper plates, maybe even plastic utensils, and seriously cut down on the dishes. Uh, Massively underrated for paper plates and utensils. Number three is college basketball. You know, um, there's really good games in college basketball on that day. And if the NFL's not working out for you, you can always watch college basketball. It's usually on a little bit earlier, though. But uh, I think uh, starting the day with some college basketball is always wonderful on Thanksgiving. I think that's a little bit underrated for some of the sports fans out there. Number two, I put booze slash tobacco. 
because you know sometimes you'll have that cousin or aunt or uncle that she just drives you nuts <laughs> you, and uh you kind of feel like you need a break nothing like going outside having a cigar or or a or a or a drink to get through some of the tougher times with the family. So booze and tobacco to me on the holiday is definitely underrated. And number one really goes with your mashed potatoes, Brian. I like gravy. I mean, mm. gravy is amazing. And I, if gravy was even somewhat healthy, I would have it on every time I have potatoes or meat. You know, even for Easter, I make ham gravy and it tastes delicious. Gravy is a very underrated food in my opinion and if you can just dump it on pretty much all your everything stuffing mashed potatoes turkey and it makes it better uh, it's obviously one of the most important things to thanksgiving brian yeah you mentioned ham uh didn't even talk about that i'd prefer a nice juicy ham over turkey any day yeah ham's delicious absolutely that's my easter and christmas thing so um i don't disagree with you at all ham is awesome if you don't like turkey i would definitely uh uh, much better than duck, let's just say. So throw in a ham mm-hmm. if needed. But anyways, this is a sports betting podcast. So let's get into the NFL slate of games, Brian. And we'll start right out on Thanksgiving. And make sure you get your fantasy football lineups and your bets in early because these games start pretty early. 1030 Mountain Time uh, for the Buffalo Bills at the Detroit Lions. And this line moved itself up again here. I'm seeing... Uh, looking at the DraftKings screen, it is at plus 10. Total is at 54. What are your thoughts about this game, Brian? Yeah, Detroit's getting a little bit healthier. Buffalo's still beat up. Um, Buffalo hasn't been as dominant as of as of late. And the travel situation, I think you have to uh, take into account here because Buffalo was just played in Detroit. So that that short week, where you would normally have this if this game was played last week in Buffalo as it was scheduled, that may have made a little bit of a difference. Not a long flight, but still, from Buffalo to Detroit, uh, it makes a difference. But now you've got both teams with the same amount of rest in the same city. Uh, that's something we've never, at least I can't remember to see uh, on the Thanksgiving games. Uh, like the offenses here, I think they both have success, but you're over that key number of 54, 51, 54 is key numbers, so you've got to be Pretty confident there's going to be a lot of scoring here if you're going to bet this one over at this point. And, and 10 looks to be a little high, but then again, you know, Buffalo has the ability to blow anybody out. But Detroit playing at home here, that's probably the way I would lean at this number, but uh, probably won't be on it myself. You know, I tried to look up Buffalo in the fourth quarter because they have to have one of the worst defenses in the fourth quarter. And that's partially because they're winning so much and playing prevent. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, they have been killing – a lot of people's bets just based upon the fourth quarter and all the backdooring that's been happening in Buffalo games. Well, the weird thing about Buffalo is they're traveling back home after this last Sunday's game, and they're coming back for the Thanksgiving game, probably, I would imagine, on Wednesday. So it's almost Mm. like they're traveling extra from what I heard in this situation. So that makes me really lean Detroit. And now this thing's at a 10. Mm, Detroit's got that good, you know, really good offense. They're finally getting healthier a little bit. If they can just come in with some motivation, I think they have a shot at uh, uh, making the upset here. So I'm going to give you a strong lean to Detroit. Next, you, mu- you must have gotten you must have gotten better information than I did because that was uh, before they were going to Detroit for the Browns game. They acted like that was going to be um, where they were staying. So you've got more up to up information 
than what I have. Then. Yeah, I just found that out actually. So okay. that's um, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Now, what I'm looking at here is the next game, and it's a huge game here because you have the Dallas Cowboys, who were was in a massive game last week, and it was a massive beatdown because they destroyed the Minnesota Vikings, did they? And the Cowboys are minus 9.5 now. The total on this game is 45.5. Now, I have a play on this one. Brian, and um, I'm going to go over what I'm doing here. I think the Giants are probably the second most fraudulent team. If the Vikings are the first, they're probably a little bit back and forth here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Tony Pollard's still just scoring more touchdowns as we speak against the Vikings, but now it's the same situation, yet the Cowboys are at home. Um what has the Giants really done, in my opinion? Um, this is a big spread, but the Cowboys rank third in defensive EPA. The Giants are 22nd. The Giants give up 5.3 rushing yards per attempt, one of the worst in the league. That's what the Cowboys do. They run the ball. Zeke is healthy now. Tony Pollard's probably even the better running back right now. They average 4.7 on the ground. And their whole offense would look a lot better, Brian, if uh, Dak Prescott was playing all year. A lot of the stats involved what happened with Cooper Rush. And the Cowboys are still 0.5 net yards per play. The Giants net negative 0.6 yards per play. They're 7-3 net negative 0.6 yards per play. Cowboys at home, big game, momentum's with them. Giants have cluster injuries now at wide receivers. Lost Wyndale Robinson. I'm laying the points. I'm laying it, and I love it under 10 still. I think that uh, this could be a snoozer, and you might have to change the channel, Brian. Yeah, if you take a look at the net points, and you mentioned it with the Giants, they're 7-3 and three on the season. They're up plus one in net points. Uh, you take a look at Dallas, they're 7-3. They're up plus 84. Play 10 games, that's an average of 8.3 points per game. They've done better, and as, as you mentioned, they are playing at home. Got to give them a little bit of a home advantage there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like the Dallas side. I, I have a feeling if you do like Dallas, you'll get better get it in now because I think as the week goes on, this thing will hit uh, hit a higher number. It's sitting to get, what, nine and a half right now, somewhat juiced depending on where you look. Um, but uh, if, if you want uh, the Cowboys, get them now because I have a feeling this is going to go off at 10. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think if you like the Cowboys, get them early. Um, I set myself up, leave even a little bit earlier with a slightly better number. So that's what I recommend doing, uh, getting the best of the number in both situations and uh, trying to eliminate your risk. That's all about how we sports bet. Let's move on to the next one. New England Patriots versus Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are like a, it's it's more like a minus 2.8-ish. Um, I, I mean, the Vikings minus 3 plus 100 I'm seeing here on the DK screen. Um, if you want the Patriots, you have to lay some juice at minus 120. So, you know, this is more like a 2.8 spread. The total is pretty low, 42.5. Anything on this one, Brian? Well, from the Minnesota standpoint, I just talked about uh, net points on the season. Hard to believe, but they are 8-2. and two. They're down two net points on the season after being blown out last week. New England is up four, 44 points on the season. They're playing in a division in which all four teams have a winning record. All four teams have a net point advantage. 
So that points me a little bit towards New England here. But you do have Minnesota off that embarrassing loss. And traditionally, this has been a tough place to play for the opposition. So unfortunately, uh, I don't have enough to make a play on this one. But um, if it gets to three, I may take a little piece of the Patriots. You know, great point. I personally think this is a pretty good line. Um, we don't have to bet everything, and there's no reason to force anything. I think that uh, I have feelings that the Vikings, even though they show being very overrated, you know, it's funny. After last week, they're actually negative now in point differential. They're an eight and two yep. team, Brian, yep. and negative in point differential. Now, obviously, the big outlier, forty to three, was a big part of that. I think the giant, the Vikings are above average. I think that the Patriots are also slightly above average. I give the edge on a neutral to the Vikings. So that's why this is kind of a perfect spread. I don't mm-hmm. um, think that, uh, you know, I, I, I would guess I would lean just because this could be a tie and you get the field goal. The three points is such a key number, but uh, no play for me right now. I, I, I'm hoping to uh, uh, just enjoy the game. Sometimes you just got to do that. Very end of the night. No reason to uh, be sweating anything at the end. Let's move on. To Saturday's slate, actually Sunday slate, I should say. The Houston Texans versus the Dolphins. Dolphins minus 13, total 46. I'm going to pass on this one. I just think that, you know, this is probably a good line. The Dolphins have the op- opportunity to uh, just beat up another opponent yet with their skill positions. Yet the Houston, I could see them down 18, 19 points and backdoor it. Any thoughts? Well, I don't want any point of Houston because it's clear that they're. I won't say they're not trying to lose, but they're not trying to win. And um, they've got, I believe, a one-and-a-half game lead now for the number one draft choice. Um, when you have the starting quarterback, Tua, for Miami, he's when he's healthy, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. And uh, this Dolphins offense could score. Uh, the only problem is the defense has struggled at certain times, but I'm not sure this Houston offense can move the ball well enough to make a difference here. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, juice 12 and a half at Pinnacle and 13 is just about everywhere else. Don't like to lay double digits in the NFL, but that would be the only way I would take a look here because Miami's a legitimate team and the Houston Texans, Texans are just playing out the season. Yeah, yeah, they're really playing out the season. Miami, look, or uh, Lovey looks lost on the sidelines there and just... <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those teams where you wonder there's going to be a spot where they all come together and do something good. But, you know, it's hard to predict that spot now. And now you're going to get some teams that are going to be, uh, I would say, a little bit more of a juice spread. You know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it should be minus 10 and it's minus 13 with the whole fact that, you know, the Texans are not going to play in the second half. That's true. If teams are getting blown out, they have nothing to play for. They're not going to give an effort. So. A pretty ugly game, in my opinion. Ravens versus Jaguars. Jaguars now down to plus three and a half. The total is 43. I have a play on this one, so I'm going to let you go first. Well, the Ravens are a team that's hard to handicap. Um, It was interesting that the line was sitting there last week, and we didn't know if the starter was going to play, starting quarterback was going to play Jackson. For Baltimore, then it comes over that he is playing, and the line actually went down a little bit. So that kind of was strange. Uh, maybe they figure they'd rather have the healthy backup as opposed to the the injured starter. But uh, Jacksonville's a team who's who's been pretty impressive this year. It couldn't have it couldn't be any worse after having probably the worst NFL coach in 
in modern history, going all the way back to Rich Kotite, I guess, uh, <laughs> and replacing him this year. So uh, they played very well. Um, don't like to trust Baltimore as a road favorite, but at least they found ways to win. Jacksonville seems to find ways to lose these close games. They do. They absolutely do. I mean, the spot here really favors Jacksonville, though, because, you know, they're coming off the bye. The Ravens kind of had a snoozer almost a little bit against Carolina, mm-hmm. which makes me a little bit more worried about it. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are actually looking really healthy. You know, they're they're one of the more healthier teams, I guess, in the NFL. They lost one or two, maybe one key guy or two key guys. But, like, compared to the rest of the uh, the NFL, Jacksonville seems to be the – healthiest team to me i think that it's just shaq griffin really is who they lost um that's that that's that's big you know and they no really injuries this month since november looking at the numbers here these teams aren't really all that different except for the fact that jacksonville seems to choke in their big games and baltimore seems to kind of win the big games baltimore is a net positive just 0.1 yard per play jacksonville's dead even the ravens are ninth in offensive epa jacksonville's 11th uh, the Jaguars are 19th or 18th in defensive EPA. The Ravens are 17th. I mean, you look at some of the advanced numbers, they're very close. And, you know, I mean, Jacksonville's at home, probably no home field advantage much, but still this four points was too much for me. So I grabbed the four and that's what I wrote, but I grabbed it at three and a half. I put 2.5 stars on it. This is another best bet for me, Brian. Good. We talked about the injuries. Keep in mind, at the end of the year, the teams that have the most success are the teams that have avoided injuries. It happens in every sport. So at the beginning of the year, you may see a team lose a lot of games while they have a lot of their better players injured. And when they come back later on in the season, you could take advantage of that in the lines because a lot of people do not pay attention to it because there's so many players on an NFL team. So uh, the, the Thursday and Friday um, injury reports are very important when you're betting the NFL. They're massive, especially the Friday one, and you even get some stuff on Saturday. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you to get your early lines, you try to get your line movement, and then you wait on some of these. Kind of like this next game, Brian, because this is the narrative game. The Bengals at the t- uh, Titans. Titans plus one and a half at home. Total 43.5. The big narrative. The Titans are looking for revenge for losing in the playoffs, throwing three interceptions, blah, blah, blah. Well, I will say that the Bengals are probably is even as fraudulent as they were of a Super Bowl, uh, I guess, compared to the Bills and the Chiefs, right? They were fraudulent. A Super Bowl contender last year. They're better this year based upon the fact that they fixed their offensive line. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm worried about the mix and injury. He's such a massive part of this team. I wonder how fast Samaje P. Ryan can kind of get up. They also lost Chris Evans earlier this season, another running back. But, I mean, if 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 Mixon's playing, I, I would play the Bengals. Uh, but I'm not going to touch it until I know more information. What are your thoughts? Well, the Texans are a team. We just talked about somebody who can't find ways to win. The, the Titans definitely have that ability to win these close games. Um, maybe, maybe it's the Vrabel's days at uh, New England, but they, uh, they're able to win without looking good. And that's the kind of teams that usually stay under the betting market radar. Cincinnati coming off of, I know it's not the same Steelers team as it has been in the past, but that's their big rival. And uh, they beat the Steelers on the road last week. Unfortunately, I had Pittsburgh in that one. 
and that hurt. But uh, so they're coming off of that big win over the Steelers. Tennessee is a team that um, always seems to be pretty much on an even keel. Uh, lean the Titans here. Um, maybe I'll get something if it if it gets up to uh, well, we, I see a couple of one and a halfs out there. Maybe this is a good six point teaser um, play with the Titans. You get a total of 42 and a half, 42, something like that. And usually um, those are the, your, your best um, your best opportunities on a low total game with a six point teaser. And uh, I, I'd likely be on the Titans here as a teaser. Great teaser leg, plus one and a half past the seven. Yeah. Low total, 42 and a half. Absolutely. I uh, don't disagree with the teaser leg on the Titans whatsoever. Should be a good game. Falcons versus Commanders. The commies are minus four. The total is 42. Heineke kind of showed everybody that he should be the starting quarterback, and um, I almost think that he should get some apologies from the organization <laughs> for bringing in Wentz. And, you know, I, I thought last year the, they had a massive hard schedule. And uh, now, uh, you know, and I actually thought he earned the starting position last year. I was really surprised to see them bring in Wentz and you know almost the garbage that came from the Colts but now you're talking about them laying points and when bad teams lay points it's usually a bad time to back them so past the three yeah not excited for it all I do know the Falcons are fraudulent themselves I believe that uh the spread's probably close I mean let's just pretend this was a minus three I'd be leaning strong to Washington um, I think Washington can stop the run. That's why. And the Atlanta's a running team. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think the line is basically where I would expect it to be. Uh, the Commanders are down, uh, or Commanders, excuse me, are, are uh, minus nine in net points on the season. The Falcons minus 15. But you have to keep in mind, every other team in the NFC East is a positive net points. And the only team in the NFC South that's positive is Tampa Bay, and that's only by three. So you've got um, a team that's six points better on the season in a tougher division, and um, that's something that I, I, I think has a little bit of meaning here. Uh, so Washington should be favored by more than three. Uh, it's sitting at four right now. It's probably where it deserves to be. Uh, if there's a four-and-a-half pop-up, I may have some interest in the Falcons, but at four or less, uh, Washington is probably the only way I'd look at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Washington or nothing for me as well. It's just a very heavy metric-based Washington favor, yet bad team laying points. That's what I'm kind of beat myself up through. I'm going to dig a little deeper into this after this game. Bears versus Jets. Bear or Jets are minus 4.5. The total is 39.5. You know, it's funny. Both these teams are going through quarterback controversies in a way. The controversy with the Bears is just basically Justin Fields' injury. He's, you know, there's been some bad reports out there saying he separated his shoulder. Well, he didn't. He beat up his shoulder. And then, you know, his ham, he's a little bit banged up. And then the Jets uh, just have a, a kid that's really young running his mouth that probably doesn't belong in the NFL in the first place. And now they're thinking about switching him out for White. White did a really good job last year, if you remember, when he came in. The problem with the Jets is I don't downgrade them if they bring Wilson out. You know, I almost might upgrade them. But I do think, even as a Bears fan, that Fields shouldn't play this game. Give him a week out. If it's a 17-game schedule, you are not going to the playoffs. You have a very hard schedule. You got the Packers next week. Rest Fields this week. 
play him against the Packers. It makes total sense to me. I played the Jets, but I had a better number than this. What are your thoughts, Brian? Yeah, I, I can't touch it, the Bears without the starting quarterback. And I agree. Um, I wouldn't even mind if I was a Bears fan to sit in the rest of the year. Uh, they're not going to the playoffs at this point. Um, and the Jets quarterback, you're, you're right. It's I like this Jets team. I like the coach. I like just about everything out of it. But they need to find a quarterback, and they don't have one this year. So, you know, the, the Jets are all excited about their record right now. But if I'm a Jets fan, um, I would rather, you know, let them play out the season and hopefully, you know, don't make the playoffs and get a better draft choice for the future because they're not a team that is going to put any scare in anybody once the playoffs come around. And and this line sitting at, you know, four and a half right now is probably what I would make it. Um, the total is 39 and a half. I, I would look to play the under, but if Fields does come back, he has that ability to, to uh, move, move the uh, change with his feet so that under may not look good. But if you're looking to get ahead of something, from a, from a standpoint of if he doesn't play, I would have to take a look at the under here. You've got would be what would be a backup quarterback for Chicago against what should be a backup quarterback for the Jets. I think Fields is exactly the total in this. You're looking at 36 and a half, no Fields. You're looking at probably 42 and a half with Fields. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's exactly what you're looking at. I, and my, Jets have a good defense, you know, and they, that's kind of what they've been living off of this year. And the Bears have a bad defense, but yet again, uh, you know, maybe they can stop the run a little bit and slow the Jets down. And they expect this to be somewhat of an ugly game. We'll see what happens. Broncos, Panthers, Panthers plus two and a half, total 35. I mean, there, there's just. I, there's nothing to say about this game except tease the freaking Carolina Panthers as your number one teaser leg eight and a half. Yeah, unless you can get the three with Carolina, that's that sounds like a great teaser. You got a total of basically in the 36 range. Uh, Carolina is a team that um, they have some ability, but they don't have a major league, you know, ready quarterback. Obviously, I know a lot about Baker Mayfield when he played in Cleveland. Uh, root for the guy because I think he got a bad deal from the Browns uh, management, but still um, don't, don't trust Denver to lay points on the road. Don't trust Carolina for the most part to win a game straight up. So that to me sounds like a great spot for the teaser, uh, taking it up to eight and a half, eight. And uh, if we get the plus three, I guess that's better, but I don't think we'll get there. Bucks Browns, Browns plus three home dog. 43 and a half is the total the Tampa Bay's just been terrible most of the year. Now they did get healthier and they showed it when they went to Europe and played the Jaguars and then they got the bye. Tampa's that weird team where the metrics aren't lining up to their true strength because of some of those injuries. I, I, I think that Tampa can stuff the run now. And if Chubb and Hunt can't run the ball, then it's all in the arms of uh, Brissett. And I don't like that. Is Brissett going to start or is, uh, uh, what's his face going to start from Houston? Um, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he he comes back uh, next. I believe they play Houston next week. Yeah, and he gets to play against his uh, former team. I yeah, I was double checking that because I just kind of had a brain fry. I knew I figured that it. He went back to practice. Is the report I saw? Sorry, that's correct. I, he's back at practice. Exactly. So he's back at practice, but he can't play. I I think this is even when he comes back to play I don't, I don't I'm probably not touching it because lots of variants can happen there. 
Mm-hmm. T- Tampa or nothing. Um, I, I'm, but I don't like Tampa either. The, the Browns are desperate here. They're they're their backs against the wall. Um, power rating wise, this is really close to the three, just because how disappointing Tampa's been laying on the road. So I, I, I'm a pass. I got nothing. Yeah, I see a heavily juiced three or a lightly juiced three and a half. Either way, um, Cleveland's. I grew up in Cleveland. I now live in Vegas. And these are probably the two most disappointing teams in the NFL. And those are the teams that I kind of root for. Uh, the Browns running game did nothing last week. Uh, they shut down Chubb. You shut down Chubb. You shut down the Browns. And Tampa's in the past, last year, they were excellent against the run. But as you mentioned, they had a lot of injuries. Um, Tampa Bay matches up pretty well against this Browns team on the ground. Brissett's playing okay. He's probably done a little bit better than I thought he would this year. But this is a team who, as the, as the game goes off uh, a little bit farther on, they seem to struggle. Um, this may be a good play where you get the Browns plus two points or something in that range in the first half because I really don't trust them if they fall behind in the game. They takes away the running game a little bit. So if I had to play this one, I'd play Cleveland in the first half, catching a couple points. Yeah, first half playing a bad look, really. You know, motivation here, trying to – get another W before Watson comes back. Yeah, it's it makes sense. Uh, I don't disagree with that at all. Raiders, Seahawks, Seahawks minus three and a half now, total 47 and a half. This is kind of where you're looking at. I know the Seahawks are better than the Raiders, but Seahawks slightly fraudulent, probably two. Um, the Raiders definitely, I have to say underrated by now. You know, I, I know they struggled last week and it was a coin flip game against Denver, but it was in Denver and it, the Raiders, I can't bet them because whenever I do, I'm wrong. When I think it's a great spot for them, they get smoked. Whenever I, it's a terrible spot. They win. It's just nothing makes sense with this Raiders team. Probably a good spread three and a half in Seattle, 47 total thoughts. Well, I'll tell you when the season started, I thought Seattle was the worst team in the league. And I thought the Raiders were probably about average. They uh, were very lucky last year to win all those games. So all those close games were in their favor. This year, they're all going against them. We all remember the Jets game earlier in the season, and that's a lot of what the Raiders have had, games in which they had, and they let it slip away. But last week, winning that game in, in uh, Buffalo and over, excuse me, in Denver in overtime, that may have brought them together a little bit because they had the week before, if you remember, um, Carr almost broke down on the uh, – on the podium, just the, the it just so he he wants to win so badly, um, and uh, that win last week was a real uh, lightning rod for them. So I would expect them to come out with a pretty good game here. Um, I, I see it a, a three and a half and four. If it gets to four and a half, I may take a shot out here on the Raiders. But uh, if you do, you just got to keep in mind that um, you know the Seahawks have the better coaching, and coaching wins a lot of football games. There you go. Seahawks do have the better coaching. I don't disagree at all with that. Chargers, Cardinals, Cardinals plus four and a half, total 47 and a half. This thing moved up after the Cardinals poor showing, but it was against the Niners and they had a backup quarterback in Colt McCoy and Colt McCoy did stand up against a bad Rams team last week too and beat them. But this is one of those situations where Arizona is now the desperate team. I think the Chargers probably should be desperate, and they always just ch- choke those games away at the end. But how can you trust the Chargers to be laying road chalk to anybody, in my opinion, 
when they beat yeah. when they beat the Browns, they shouldn't have Brissett threw that touchdown. Right. It, they they should have kicked Browns could have kicked the field goal and won it, but Brissett threw the picking the touchdown. Made no sense. Browns that, many ways to lose. Sure as hell do. And now now Chargers laying road chalk like this. Ugh, it's way too much. Strong lean to the Cardinals. Yeah, uh, I'm not a big Cardinals fan here, but if you're to bet the Chargers every time they're a favorite, uh, you'd be probably in the poorhouse. <coughs> excuse yeah, me, at this time. So. Yeah, you would. Certainly would. Uh, Saints Niners, Niners laying nine total forty three. I was really curious where this uh, spread was going to go. I thought it was going to hit a ten. Uh, if I had to play it, I would play the Saints. Um, it's just a spot where the Niners kind of you know coming off Mexico, big travel, coming home, kind of prove their point, and you know um, the, the Saints have to be getting pretty desperate. They have a nice win against the Rams. Two winners last week, but the Niners, that Christian McCaffrey got them really hyped up and they're getting healthier, but the Niners' weakness is still their secondary. The problem is I don't think Andy Dalton can get the ball to their mm-hmm. receivers that well. <sighs> what a perfect spread. I, you know, at first I thought it would be a Saints player, but I would at the 10, but the total is only 43, and so you still lean them, but I'm going to pass. Yeah, I, usually if a team looks as impressive as the Niners do, on uh, a Monday Night Football, those are the teams I'm looking to back or uh, looking to fade. Excuse me, the following week because it's fresh in everybody's mind. I do expect this line to hit ten, and when it does, I'll probably be on the Saints. Um, just talk through, you know, sitting in a sports book or or play some bets. A lot of the people now are starting to say, okay, the 49ers are the team to beat in the NFC, not the Eagles. So once you start getting a lot of talk like that, that usually means that. That team is starting to hit the peak, and it's time to go against them. And so if I get a 10, I'll probably be on the Saints here. All right, makes sense to me. Let's move on to the Rams versus the Chiefs. Chiefs are laying 14 and a half. Total is 44. Explain this line, Brian. Easy. The Rams stink, and the Chiefs (laughs) have a lot of talent, and they're playing at home. The Rams stink. That's a pretty good analysis because I can't disagree at all with that, man. Yeah, the Rams are terrible. Um, Who would ever think we we saw we will see the Super Bowl champions catching fifteen points the following year? Right, right. It's funny, and and I they're just can coast mode. They don't even care about getting back. You can tell they don't. Is Stafford playing or no? Has that been announced? Probably not. Uh, right? Yeah, I haven't seen. No. Yeah, they're and they're not going to announce that. You know, because these. Freaking teams say game time decision just so they don't give up to information. And I think the NFL is going to have to change that someday. Maybe say by Saturday you have to have your stuff in or something because it's just been re- absolutely silly with what happened with Matt Ryan and some of the other teams here. So, um, yeah, I mean, with 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 Stafford, it's probably a lean to the Rams, even though how ugly it is. And it shows I, – I pulled up their injury report here. It shows – uh, after further testing, they still haven't placed them in concussion protocol. So it's just it it just has a I have no idea. And a lot of people have <laughs> speculated that his elbow is bad too, right? So pass for me. Um, I, I the Chiefs are a powerful team, and they're really making a statement right now. Uh, Packers versus Eagles. This is interesting, too. The Eagles minus seven. The Packers have a little juice on that seven right here. You can probably find some six and a halves. The total is 46 here. The Eagles kind of showed some weakness, and it's like I've been saying, and this is the reason I took the uh, 
Colts and the Washington football team the last two weeks is because the Eagles can't stop the run. You know, now they got Dominic and Sue. Is he going to play? I don't know. Is that enough to stop the run? Maybe. But the Packers can run the ball. Dylan's awesome. Uh, Jones is awesome. There's only two things the Packers do well right now. It's run the football or pass it to the running backs and defend the pass deep with Jari Alexander. That's what they do good. What they do terrible, the Packers can't stop the run, which is what Jalen Hurts and, and Sanders can do. And they... Uh, they can't stop just the Eagles' powerful offense in general, I think. Uh, the Eagles almost have too many weapons. Now, Dallas Godert, I think, was a massive injury for them. And I don't know if he's out for the seasons. I think it's just weeks. But I, right now, would probably lean to the Packers if they can just play it correctly and control the clock. What are your thoughts? I'm looking the other way here. Um, the Packers, if you take a look at the season, the net points, Eagles are plus 80 in 10 games. The Packers are minus 41 in 11 games. So that's almost four points per game negative for the Packers, eight points per game positive for the Eagles. So that's 12 That's twelve points there. And you'd have to include the uh, the home advantage, excuse me, the uh, home field advantage also for the Eagles, which is probably a couple. Um, and that puts it way above the seven points they're using right now uh, from – I've watched a lot of these games all season long. I've yet to find uh, a game where I've been very impressed with the Packers. Uh, the Eagles have been very good to me all year long. They've been very good to their backers. Uh, as long as it's seven or less, I think the Eagles are the way to go in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the thing, uh, and slightly into the Packers, just because metric, if they play it smart, the pa- what I was trying to say is the Packers can't throw and they can't stop the run. They mm-hmm. can run the ball um, and they can stop the deep pass. Uh, metrically, my numbers are also higher on the Eagles. So, but so it's probably um, from a matchup standpoint, I lean the Packers. From mm-hmm. a pure metrics and numbers, from my algorithm, I lean the Eagles. Probably a stay away at that number. Last game, Steelers versus Colts. Colts minus two and a half. Another low total of thirty nine. I bet where you're going to go with this is the obvious way. <laughs> Yeah, the obvious way is the Steelers on the teaser. Um, I would like to find a movie out there that I can go watch this night because this is going to be an ugly game. Not only have you got two bad teams, you've got two low-scoring teams. Uh, The Colts have played with some pretty nice hearts since they made the Jeff Saturday move, Um, and so they're shocking a lot of people in that regard. The Steelers last week, I thought the defense fell apart against the Bengals in the second half of the game, and when you're playing a rival and you blow a game like that that you should have had on your own home field, that's got to be you know a little bit of a letdown. But you know they still get excited about playing Monday Night Football, uh, so they'll they'll bring their A games. But the only way I can take a look at this is the Steelers on the on the uh, teaser line because I don't really trust either one of these games when it comes down to a coin flip at the end of the contest. Yeah, I don't trust either either. That's complete fa- completely fair. I think the Colts are a little bit better than the Steelers. In my power ratings, they are. Metrically, they are too. Metrically, it's actually higher on the Colts, but it's also Matt Ryan. Do you trust Matt Ryan in these situations? This is probably a last possession game. Wonderful teaser leg for the Steelers. Low total of 39. That's the only way to play this, in my opinion. Awesome stuff, Brian. We just got through that full card of NFL games. But before you go, I wanted to ask you, a big game with uh, Ohio State 
hosting Michigan. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah. The line's about where I expected it to be, um, over seven and less than 10. Um, I've been more impressed by the Michigan. I, I would say the Michigan defense, at least in my opinion, may be the best uh, unit on the field. Ohio State's offense has been good, but they've been good against bad defensive teams. Uh, when they played like Notre Dame, they struggled a little bit offensively. Uh, they have not looked as good as they had in prior years. I still think they're one of the best teams in the country, and if they win this game, they deserve to go to the playoffs. But I think this is this is not your your best Ohio State team that I've seen. Uh, they, they've shown some uh, some problems. Michigan, that week schedule at the beginning of the year, I, th- I really hope in the future they decide to schedule some actual football teams because that's really hurting them. If, if they were to lose to Ohio State by a point, in this, they won't make the Final Four because their schedule was so weak early in the season. Um, so this is a must-win game for Michigan. In fact, it may be a must-win game for Ohio State. You never know. But um, it, the line's where it should be right now. I'm just looking forward to a, a real good game, and unfortunately, I probably won't have a bet on it. Not a, not a worry. I lean Michigan first half a bit because they seem to be better in the first half than Ohio State lately. and. I, my number six and a half, and I took a, a better number than it is right now on Michigan. So um, I'm going to be content with that. I also have Ohio State future at plus 600, took him way early in the year. So I'm hoping that obviously that still can come through. Be nice to see both teams in as a Big Ten fan. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens with that. Anything else in college? Um, on Thanksgiving Day, I do have a play on Mississippi over Mississippi State. I know there's a lot of uh, talk about you know the head coach of Mississippi leaving, but I have this line closer to seven than I do three, and you're looking at something in the two, two-and-a-half range here. So I think we have enough, even if um, you know a lot of people are looking that uh, he may be leaving. I still think Mississippi is the team to play here. They, they looked terrific until like two or three weeks ago, and uh, they had a couple bad days. So... It's sort of like the stock market when you want to buy low, sell high. I think Mississippi right now is low, and I think we've got a little value on them. All right, free play on Ole Miss. That sounds great. I actually have Ole Miss higher in my power ratings than the three as well, but Mm -hmm. the circumstances are throwing me off. I'm going to live bet this maybe personally. Just have a little fun with it, and this will be one I'm just going to enjoy. Where could our viewers and listeners get your great information and plays, Brian? Well, I'm on WagerTalk. Uh, dot com. We've got videos all over the internet. Get on YouTube, search wagertalk.com, uh, wagertalk TV, and uh, a lot of videos not only explaining individual games, but talking about how to bet teasers and, and all the other good, fun stuff a lot of the beginners don't know anything about, uh, telling you what to avoid. Uh, you don't want to tease, um, you know, college football. You don't want to tease NFL totals. Just stick to the NFL. Um, NFL sides and good numbers, and you can make some pretty good money teasing. Although, to be totally honest with you, I don't know anybody who's won money teasing this year as these Wong teasers, Stanford Wong teasers, have not done well. But we explain a lot of that stuff, a lot of arbitrage, things like that, at wagertalk.com. Nice. Make sure you check out Brian at wagertalk.com. Brian, it was a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for all your great insights and information. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. No, I appreciate it. You do the same, sir. 
All right. Now it's time for our Refuse to Lose teaser. That is in the black, my friends. It is six, four, and one for the year. And what we are going to go is the obvious, what I talked about with Brian Letter. We're going to take the Carolina Panthers to eight and a half, extremely low total of 35, and the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, from two and a half to eight and a half as well. Another low total of 39. You cannot trust the Colts here in this situation. Obviously, they're a little bit better with Jeff Saturday, but they still have offensive line problems, and you also have TJ Watt now that is feasting back from his injury. So you got to love that. And Denver Broncos, they can't score points. They have all their receivers basically injured. I don't even know how they score much less, you know, cover a teaser against the Panthers. I would, I'm going to consider betting the Panthers. I doubt I'm going to ever get a three here, but the teaser makes total sense for me for two stars. Oh, yeah. Now it is time for the sharp side of the force. The Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by Betfred.com. For 250 bucks worth of free bets, please visit Betfred. Use the promo code ODDS23. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Sharp College Football Week 13. Now we're doing this on Tuesday, so we don't have a ton of information. But Sharp Money on Missouri down from plus 4.5 to plus 3, hosting Arkansas. 48% of the tickets, 79% of the money. Sharp Money on Louisville, plus 4.5 to 2.5. At Kentucky, 68% of the tickets and 96% of the money. Maybe Malik Cunningham plays. Sharp money in Illinois, plus or minus 12.5 to minus 13.5 at Northwestern. 78% of the tickets, 98% of the money. So, you know, we gave out Illinois on Monday night. Uh, Iowa State, plus 10.5 down to plus 9.5 at TCU. 59% of the tickets and 69% of the money. Sharp money on Penn State, minus 13.5, all the way up to minus 18. Hosting Michigan State, 64% of the tickets and 75% of the money. There's only sharp total that makes sense right now to say is Tennessee versus Vanderbilt under 66 to 64. 58% of the tickets, 88% of the money with the head and hooker injury. So that's the only significant one I have for totals. But Sharp NFL, we have Sharp Money on the Jets, minus 3 to minus 4.5, hosting the Bears, 60% of the tickets, 75% of the money. Sharp Money on the Dolphins, minus 10.5 to minus 13, hosting the Texans, 89% of the tickets, 99% of the money. Sharp Money on the Chargers, minus 3.5 to minus 4.5 at the Cardinals, 90% of the tickets, 95% of the money. Sharp Money on the Steelers, plus 3 to plus 2.5 at the Colts, 54% of the tickets, 94% of the money. Sharp totals, Bills versus Lions, over 51 to 54, 68% of the tickets, 77% of the money. Sharp money the Patriots versus Vikings under 43.5 to 42.5, 68% of the tickets and 85% of the money. Sharp money the Buccaneers versus Browns under 45.5 to 43.5. We have 59% of the tickets and 97% of the money. Sharp money the Texans versus Dolphins over 45 to 46.5, 38% of the tickets and 68% of the money. Sharp money the Saints versus Niners over 41.5 to 43.5, 81% of the tickets. And 98% of the money, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet us at the Oddsbreakers. I hope you guys all enjoy your Thanksgiving and get through your family, okay? Enjoy all the games this whole massive weekend and go get some winners.